From Bumble Australia and Shameless Media, this is Love Etc. When my love takes me home, it's one of five in a 30 mile zone. What the hell do you do if your partner's parents are, well, kind of the worst? How do you progress with your relationship and the person you love if their family feels like something out of a bad movie? Welcome to Love Etc., where your hosts, Michelle Andrews and Zara McDonald. Hello, you're listening to Love Etc., a podcast by Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move. Today, we're talking about monster-in-laws. Yep, the kind you do hear about in bad movies or bad TV shows. In-laws that don't like you and let you know about it at every chance they get. To do that, we're hearing the stories of two different women, women who probably deserve to be in some sort of monster-in-law support group after what they've endured. We're starting today with Sophie. Sophie has been with her partner Tom since high school. I met Tom when we were 17 at high school. We actually had met a couple of years prior in high school, but I felt that he was too short for me, so I didn't give him the time of day. And then towards the end of year 12, I think it was, maybe year 11, around that time, I was like, oh, you're a bit all right. He actually had a girlfriend at the time, but then they broke up and let's just say I was very quick to pounce. (laughs) What was your first impression of his family? So he has two brothers and it seemed like a happy nice family. His mum and dad had separated I think a few years earlier so I'd never been around a separated house. All my extended family and like my mum and dad are all together so I just initially remember thinking how she was such a hard worker like she worked so hard and I was so impressed because she was raising her kids working hard and I'd never sort of seen that because I come from a big family. Mum always worked part-time, never full-time. So it was just, it was different for me. I was like, it opened my eyes a bit. When did you realise that his mum was actually going to be quite difficult and wasn't always going to be kind to you? I think I realised fairly early on that we were very different people. I think we hold some very different values about some things. So I can sometimes be described as quite straight-laced. I don't drink, I like things a particular way, I'm very neat and that can sometimes be, I think, off-putting for people, whereas my mother-in-law is very different. She socialises over a wine. She never understood why I wouldn't have a wine with her at the back or why I wouldn't sit and just, you know, spend the night drinking wine and chatting and bitching and that's it's just not my style so I think immediately there was a bit of a disconnect I remember really vividly I think Tom and I had been together for maybe around two years and there was a death in the extended family and I'd never met this person in the two years that we'd been together so not super close and one of his brothers eats really poorly he eats terribly and that like grinds my gears no end I hate hearing people chew 
And I was giving Tom a look in the lounge room being like, make this stop, like I'm going to snap. And I remember she walked past and under her breath, but not really under her breath, muttered, Tom, control your princess. I was meant to hear it, but meant not to hear it. So I acted like I didn't hear it. But that was probably the first sign that I was like, okay, you don't like me. How did you feel after hearing that? I suppose I tried to rationalize it in the fact that someone had just died and she wasn't thinking reasonably. But as time progressed and more things happened, I started to find it frustrating that she didn't like me because although we're different people, I don't think I've ever done anything wrong by her. And I make Tom happy, like we've been together for a very long time. We're happily married. And so as layers upon layers come on, I do start to go, well, why? And when his brothers get partners and they're embraced into the family and even like small things like the way she interacts with the brother's partners on social media, for example, and I don't use social media that much, but I'm kind of like that public show of affection for them. I'm like, hey, remember me? (laughs) So that can be a little frustrating at times. But I try to just, I guess, be the bigger person and go, well, I've got lots of people who love and care for me. So if she's not one of them, cool. What are some of the more memorable things that she's done to you? My favourite that comes to mind, there's probably two big ones. One was the night that we got engaged and we got engaged on a weekday, which was completely random and that's typical Tom um he probably thought of it the day before and went oh we'll just do it tomorrow that seems good that night like all excited we drove around to all our families be like we're engaged like show the ring and be like woo she was standing at the dining room table folding washing and she took Tom into her bedroom closed the door before she'd even said anything closed the door and they were gone for a few minutes I just stood there looking at my diamond, like, oh, happy, happy, not thinking much of it. We got in the car after we left because they were like quick flyby visits. And I said to Tom, I was like, what was she saying? And he's like, oh, don't worry about it, don't worry about it. I was like, no, I need to know. And she was asking whether he had made the right decision and whether this was something he really wanted. We were 23 when we got engaged But still like that, when I think about that to this day, like the happiest, one of the happiest nights of our life, I think of that and it's a bit, it's hurtful. It's definitely hurtful. How has Tom reacted to a lot of this stuff? Like, have you felt like he can counsel you through it and you can be honest with him about it, that you're a team, a united front through it? That is probably one of the more difficult aspects because she drives him sometimes just as insane. Like we were watching um, a Seinfeld episode and George's mum is like, you need a new shirt. Why did you wear, why did you wear this like that? Why are you eating that? You're looking a bit fat. And he was sitting there and he was like, that's my mum. And I was like, at least, at least he can see it. Like that's how she talks to him and to his brothers. And then I think that's how I get spoken to as well in a lot of ways. And so at least he can acknowledge it. He just mm. you know, deals with it because it's his mom, I guess. He tries to say, you know, oh, she she does love you in her own way and he tries to embrace that. But it's difficult for him because he's caught right in the middle. That's his mum. He loves his mum. His dad has since passed away, so it's the only parent he has alive. 
and he obviously loves her and he loves me. And so occasionally I will say things and I will say, you know, this is hurting me because he'll listen. But I think it will take something massive for him to say something. We're going to get to the story of your pregnancy in just a moment. But before we get there, have you ever confronted her? Like when you found out that she was, I guess, not going to give her blessing of you guys getting married, did you ever pull her aside and be like, look, how can I repair this relationship? How can we get along? What is it that you don't like about me? Or is it something that's always been unspoken? It's definitely always been unspoken. The way I solved the not giving the blessing was we eloped to get married. So I think that might have taken me more into the negative space. I think if you asked her to her face if she liked me, she would say yes. I don't even think she would acknowledge that there is an underlying tension of some kind. And sometimes I'm like, does it come from getting together so young? Does it come from getting married so young? Does it come from it came at a really crazy, hectic time of her life and she wasn't ready to welcome you people? I don't know. Maybe having this child will bring us together, but I'm not convinced. (laughs) What are some of the most extreme things that she's done? The most extreme happened recently. So we announced our pregnancy earlier this year. We actually told her very early on because my mum was able to work out that I was pregnant very quickly. And so I thought in the interest of fairness, like both parties should know, I want her to be involved. And so anyway, we got to having all our genetic testing. And when you have your genetic testing, you can find out the gender. We didn't find out the gender. And afterwards she called us and was like, so did you find out the gender? And we said, no, like we decided not to, like we said, And she's like, oh, that's such a shame. Oh, okay, okay. Then over the next couple of days, she called us both individually to try and individually talk each of us into finding out the gender, so to play us against one another. No success there. And then when we went back, I had to get further testing for one aspect of my pregnancy. And when we went back, we were sitting with a genetic counsellor and she said to me, she goes, "Oh, oh, my goodness, we were talking about you the other day. And I said, oh, really? Like, what's wrong? Is there something wrong? Like, what's wrong with the baby? And she's like, no, no, no. And then just walked out of the room. And I was looking at Tom and I was like, what's going on? Like, I was so freaked out. Like, it's the worst thing because you're like, what is wrong with my baby? Does it have three heads? Like, shit type of thing. She comes back in and she's got this little post-it note. And she goes, is this your mother-in-law's name? And just like flicked it around. And I said, yeah. And I looked at Tom and he was like, yeah, that's my mum's name. She's like, yeah, she was calling the other day because she wanted to know the gender of your baby. And I was like, what? And Tom looked like he just wanted to die, like he was getting smaller by the second. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, did you tell her? She's like, no, no, no. Like we explained patient confidentiality and that you'd chosen not to find out. She said, we just assumed that the person would use a fake name. That's so funny. She goes, we've never had that before. Holy fuck. What comes over you in that situation? That is just so like movie-esque. It's so ridiculous that she would even think that she could do that or that she's entitled to go to that level. Did you get upset? Like, do you get in the car and just burst into tears about how ridiculous it all is? Do you get into the car and just 
fly off the handle and I guess toss out every expletive under the sun? (laughs) What do you do? So for the rest of the appointment, I was just kind of, I think I was in shock. I was a bit stunned. Tom actually started to feel a bit hot, so said that he'd meet me in the car park. So he actually went outside, and when I went out to him, I just started laughing. I was just uncontrollably laughing. I think that was the emotion that came out of me. I was just like, what the fuck just happened? Like, what is going on? So a few hours later, because we'd both taken the day off work, I I said to him, I was like, so we're going to say anything? And he's like, no, we'll just let it go. You know, she didn't, she didn't get what she wants anyway. And it kind of feels like in Friends when Phoebe and Rachel and Joey all know about Ross and Chandler and it's the they don't know that we know that we know type of scenario. It's kind of like that because sometimes when she says things, I'm like, I know what you did. And I just feel like I can hold on to it until she really makes me like snap. It'll probably be when I've got a newborn and I can just be like, I know what you did and just like not make the relationship any better. But I will at least have the trump card, I think, well and truly. I think the most complex element of it is, is that she does, I think she does love me and appreciate me. Often if she gets drunk, she's the one, like I'm the one she gravitates towards to say how much she loves me. And it's a bit full on, but she'll be like stroking my arm and saying that she loves me. And I'm so good for Tom. But when she's sober, it's not like that. And I think for a while, part of the complexity definitely came from she had a partner and I completely opposed the partner's political views. He was extremely conservative. He was racist, sexist, everything opposite of me. He used to make comments comments about Indigenous Australians or about women that used to just really upset me and I'd have to say something because for a long time I think when I was younger I would sit there and I would just you know look at my dinner plate and just go don't worry about it don't worry about it and as I got older and more assertive and I went through a career change in my mid-20s and I sort of found myself a bit more I was like you know you can't say that in front of me that's disgusting and I used to sort of arc up against it and I think that that probably made it challenging for her sometimes but I couldn't believe that she would idly sit by when awful things were being said. Do you ever feel a sense of loss that you didn't have or you don't have a relationship with your mother-in-law that you see some other people have? 100% I do. I think I felt it at times in Tom and I's life where they should be really special and sometimes they're tainted by her behaviour that I sort of I mourn for what could have been. So when we bought our first house and we were moving in and she showed up uninvited and I just, it seems like a small thing, but I was so frustrated because it was a moment that we wanted to share. Like we'd saved, we'd done all the hard work. We'd gone to the countless open for inspections and all of those things. And my parents had the decency to stay away until we said, come over, come celebrate with us. When we got engaged, when we got married and even now like being pregnant and she'll say things like we have to do this and it's I sometimes mourn it because I feel like it's always on her terms when she wants to do something then she's happy to have me you know now that we're having a child I'm like I wish I had the mother-in-law that I could call in the middle of the night and be like this child is driving me crazy or is a devil and I need your help but I know that that person is just going to be my mum and 
I feel sorry for myself, but I also feel sorry for her because she, her behavior has left her, she's going to miss out on things because of it. Coming up after the break, the story of Claire and her partner's family. But first, it's time for a Bumble break. Zara, whether you're looking for a date or a new friend, your Bumble profile has to stand out. You're absolutely right, Mish. Actually, Bumble has five top tips to making your profile stand out ahead of the rest. The first is to choose a profile photo where you are smiling with no sunglasses on. While photos with your friends are great for your other photos, Bumble has found that users have more success when their first profile image is just of them. Bumble also says users have more success with unedited, natural pictures over heavily edited ones, no surprise there, and that populating your profile blurb is a surefire step to get you some great matches. Oh, and you should show off your lifestyle. If you love to hike, use photos to show that. Or if you're like me and consider yourself allergic to hiking, I suggest a photo on your couch drinking a margarita. Don't forget to be yourself and be open about your hobbies and interests, just like Mish said, and link to your Instagram too to give your matches a deeper insight into who you are. Use Bumble's profile badges to show potential matches what you're all about while also saving precious biospace. At first glance, potential matches can now know everything from your height, to your star sign, your religion, political leanings, and whether you're on the app for something casual or something a little more serious. Genius, right? Download Bumble today and make the first move. One app, three modes, one mission. Let us introduce you to Claire. Claire met her now husband Andrew at school when they were put together in the same high school classes and began to spend a lot of time together. He is like super smart, was like ducks of all the years prior to the year we were together. And so it's really funny. I would pretend to be bad at science so that I could get his attention and I'd go up to him and and kind of ask for his help and be like, oh, how do you do this? But, you know, I would come back with good marks too because I quite like science myself. And it's not actually till recently that he is kind of like, oh, wait, were you pretending to be bad at science? (laughs) So I just did the classic kind of boost his ego (laughs) to get his attention. From our interactions with you, it sounds like your relationship with Andrew has been pretty brilliant. You guys really love each other. Your relationship with Andrew's family hasn't been so clean cut though. What was your first impression of his family? Do you remember the first day you met them? Yeah, yeah. the, The first time we met, you know, we were only 15 at the time, so it's kind of like we had to be dropped places by our parents and the first real notable um, time I met his parents was I was dropped to his house for the first time and I was just wearing a little dress that I thought was cute for a date. We were going on a picnic and his mum, she didn't like the dress. She thought it was too short. It was just slightly above the knee and, and I was asked to leave his house and not come in. My mum had already left from dropping me off, so I had to wait out the front of his house and and call her to come pick me back up, which was mortifying. (laughs) Talk us through this. So she didn't let you into the house or you stepped into the house and she told you to get out because your knees were showing? Yeah, yeah. So, like, I kind of knocked on the door and he answered and, you know, it was kind of like, hi, 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 and, and it was a bit of, like, oh, looking me up and down and then from there she asked um, 
perhaps I wasn't dressed appropriately and then said maybe that my mum should go pick me up and being 15 at the time, you know, you don't know what to do. So I just left and, and called my mum. <laughs> what did you know of his family before this? Like did you know that they might be overly religious or, you know, have different beliefs to you? Did you have a sense of, you know, what they were like? You know, like I had a sense that they were different from mine because we would joke about stupid stuff in like school and like be like oh haha I'm gonna tell my dad this and he's like I would never tell my dad something like that so I got the sense that like his relationship with his parents was very different to mine and I knew like they went to church and things like that but my experience with you know religious people up to that point hadn't been any different to people that don't go to church so I didn't know why you would need to act different to, to these people than otherwise so I kind of walked into that whole situation, the dress situation, completely blind to what I was walking into. It wasn't just tension that existed over an outfit, though. At 15, Claire says Andrew was grappling with religion and his relationship with it. Was he as dedicated to religion as his parents are? What if he wanted to pull away? Claire says that because Andrew lent on her for conversations about his relationship with religion and spirituality, his parents began to think she was leading him away and astray. It was always very tense going over his house, there was constant times where Andrew was told that, you know, we should break up. It's not the time to have a girlfriend. You need to focus on your studies. For example, there was a time when Andrew got really sick and then he had to go to the hospital and I asked him if I could visit him in hospital and I was I was told that I couldn't visit him in hospital. So it, it didn't get better and, until, funnily enough, the, the last exam period of year 12 where we it was obvious we weren't going to break up so then his parents turned around and said well you can't break up now because that will affect your your um scores this is the only time they've wanted you to stay together (laughs) amazing I'm I'm just so curious like through this period did you ever wonder if it was personal or if you thought that maybe they'd be like this with anyone that Andrew brought home I think at the time I thought it was personal but I guess kind of now that I've more grown up I don't necessarily think everything was completely personal especially in those early years. When his sister got a partner when Andrew's sister got her first partner was that partner also treated with contempt? Yes but it was different because her partner is religious so it was a different relationship in that they respected him a lot more than they respected me. They they just didn't like him because I'm quite an ambitious person and so I am very was very driven, for example, in high school to get good grades and get into university, whereas he had some aspects of being religious but then he wasn't a, a driven person. So I guess in their idealistic mind of what they wanted for their children, Neither of their children got what they needed. <laughs> they needed a combo of you both. Claire, I want to ask you, a few years in, Andrew's father gets quite sick and I want to know what that experience was like for you when you already feel like you're on the outer of the family. Yeah, it was a really difficult time for Andrew and I because it, it affected Andrew a lot and, and also for me at that time we had been together for like seven years. so that's a significant time for an adult figure to be in your life regardless of how they treated you in the past because obviously we talk about the negatives but there have been good times 
in those seven years with his parents as well. And it was just a lot of uncertainty in that initial stages of him getting sick. So talk to us about the diagnosis. The diagnosis comes in that his father is incredibly sick. And is it right to say that you were both kind of pushed away or kept at arm's length? Yeah, yeah, definitely. We were still both living at home, our respective homes at the time. And then Andrew was pushed away to the point that he moved out of home to live with one of his friends because he didn't feel comfortable being in that house. On one hand, he didn't feel comfortable because um, of how sick his father was and seeing him deteriorate. But then on the other hand, kind of having to deal with his family dynamic was a lot for him. It was like hyper religious. There was a lot of praying. There was a lot of scrutiny on Andrew for not being religious himself, almost like his father's getting sicker and sicker. Your dad's getting sick because you're not praying. You're not religious, don't you? (laughs) You know, you're not helping the side and just a lot of disappointment on him as well. And how were they treating you specifically around this time? I mean, when his dad was in the hospital, were you allowed to visit? Were you allowed to be around the family? No, I was never allowed to visit. I never went. Um, Sorry. I never went to the hospital. When he was in palliative care, I went for a day to visit um, just to help clean around the house. But I was very unwelcome, so I didn't go back just to protect myself. And I have a lot of regret not being there, to, even though it was difficult for me. It would have been nice for Andrew for me to be there. Why do you think you were so unwelcome in that in those moments? Like, why why didn't they want you there? I think it's kind of a combination of things in terms of because they were so religious and I'm not religious, they only wanted people like in God's grace and like who are religious around the house. And then also the relationship was also already quite strained and they kind of thought that I put a negative spin on the household. So it was just better for me to stay away. I didn't want to step on anyone's toes in an already difficult time. I mean... The funeral wasn't easy for you either, was it? They made the funeral quite difficult for you. You weren't allowed to sit with Andrew at all. Yes, yes. So the funeral, Andrew didn't want to be a part of planning that. It was too difficult for him. And then Andrew's mum said, okay, all of the family will be sitting in the front pews of the church. And and then Andrew kind of asked, oh, will Claire be sitting with me and she said no and Andrew had to in an already difficult time because I can understand from Andrew's mum's perspective she's just lost her husband so it's a difficult time for everybody but Andrew had to really have an argument and fight his mum to to have me sit with him at his dad's funeral which made me feel really uncomfortable that he had to kind of pick a battle at the time for me because because that's not the time to be having fights. Did you ever feel at any point like the easier option would be to just walk away? I never wanted to, like neither of us wanted to walk away. It never felt like this was the biggest battle of our relationship. There was no question. It was like always me and him. We just always loved each other. There's never been like a falter 
in our love for one another. And so I think we've always just thought this doesn't matter what matters is me and you. That is beautiful, first of all. How do you then tell Andrew's mother that you guys are going to be getting married? We got engaged and we called my parents and then we called his mum and we didn't particularly want to get married and engaged at the age we did but we were living together and things were tense in that we were living together like in sin as um, she would consider it so it was almost easier to just get engaged get married do the right thing than kind of have this resistance with her when we told her she hung up the phone (laughs) and and then she didn't um, she hung up on you yeah (laughs) for what reason I don't know (laughs) I think maybe she just wanted time to process it and then she called back. It was like, hey, we're engaged, and then nothing. In that moment, I'm just curious as to what Andrew's kind of response or coping mechanism with that is. Like he shares this really happy news with his mum. He knows you're right there and you're observing everything. Does he roll his eyes? Does he get exasperated? Does he feel sad about her response? Like how does he react to something like that? He, I think, was just so over it He because he didn't even want to like almost call and tell. He was just like, she'll find out eventually. But I, I said, no, you have to do the right thing by her and tell her. So as much as I put a strain on the relationship between Andrew and his mother, I, I don't want I don't want to do that. So I always try and make sure that he is having a, a nice relationship with her. So that's why I'm like, you you better call and tell her. Don't don't let her find out some way else. But his just reaction is just like, this is what I expected. At the wedding, was it clear to you both? that she was unhappy? Did she show you on your wedding day any kind of contempt for the relationship or did she manage to keep it to herself for that one day? When Andrew moved out of home, he didn't take my advice of telling his mum that he was moving out. We went on a holiday to together and then he just never came home and he just moved in with me. And then when she was at work, he went and collected his things and that's how we moved out of home. So I guess Andrew. That, was, <laughs> that that was their big confrontation of this is the way I'm going to live my life and this is how I'm not going to I'm not a religious person and this is what I want to do and this is how I'm going to be in my life. So then to the wedding there was that era of acceptance of okay it's not a religious ceremony the wedding is going to be how they want it to be. I'm just glad that you know they've done something right in air bubbles by getting married rather than just living de facto. So did getting married change anything? For me and Andrew in our relationship, no. I didn't change my last name. Andrew's mum <laughs> won't respect that and just calls me by the new last name. But I guess luckily because of COVID, we, we haven't had to have too much interaction since the wedding. <laughs> Yeah, right. And what is the relationship like now? Like you wrote to us in your email that you had moved a couple of hours away just to get some space. Are you both deliberately now that you're married and kind of living your lives together trying to, you know, slowly start carving your own lives far from them? Yeah, yeah. So we moved a couple of hours away and Andrew, if Andrew's mum calls, Andrew doesn't answer it. So once a week or once every two weeks, I make sure that he calls his mum just to keep her in the loop. As I say, I don't I don't want to be a strain between him and his mum. That's his only living parent. But also 
you know, we talk about barriers that we need to set. So if we do see her, we make sure that we have rules. So we, we don't invite her to our house. We make sure we're doing an activity so it's not just like one-on-one and she can ask a lot of nitpicky questions. And if we can, we try and get buffer people there as well. So we try and never to just like sit at a coffee table with her alone where it's just talking. <laughs> we're always like doing stuff. <laughs> I mean, Claire, I don't know if this is accurate, but listening to you speak about this dynamic between your husband and his mom and you, it sounds like you are responsible for shouldering a lot of the emotional labor of trying to keep your husband and your mom together, trying to keep some kind of bond there. But then in turn, you're also given a lot of the blame for maybe being what has tugged them apart or why she's not on good terms with him anymore. I can imagine that would be incredibly difficult feeling like you are trying to do really good work for them behind the scenes and yet you have to cop a lot of it instead of maybe Andrew. Is that accurate? Yeah, I think I just feel like a lot of guilt about the situation and I think I just feel so incredibly lucky that Andrew chose me and I don't want that to be a regret he has. What advice then would you give anyone else listening to this who is struggling with their partner's parents? I think for me what is really helpful is to put myself in Andrew's mum's shoes and and kind of see things from her perspective. That's kind of why I'm always trying to make sure that they stay in touch and they're communicating because from her perspective, you know, she's lost her husband. She's lost the love of her life. Of course she's going to be like nasty and bitter and (laughs) when she sees happy couples. So I just try and put myself into her perspective as much as I can. I used to kind of have the mentality of, you're the adult, I'm the child, but I've kind of switched that. And it's like, do you know what? I have the most emotional intelligence out of (laughs) the three people in this situation. No shade to my dear husband, Andrew. (laughs) Um, But I do. So I think if other people are in that situation is to just build up your emotional intelligence to help see things from people's perspectives. Otherwise, as well, another piece of advice would be to just take on kind of what we do in our lives by having an activity so you're not just sitting around being nitpicked have buffer people as well and kind of structure and manipulate the situations where you have to see your parents-in-law that it's kind of on your terms and there's mechanisms in place where you can have a quick exit strategy or it's not just going to be the two of you scrutinized and I mean Claire despite it all it sounds like the love you have with your husband is so more than worth it right yeah yeah I love him very much You've been listening to Love Etc, a production from Shameless Media. To support the show, please click subscribe on Apple Podcasts or follow on Spotify. Sign up to Bumble Australia, the social networking app where women make the first move towards friendship, professional and romantic relationships. Bye, guys.